Hello and welcome to this episode of Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we're going back to the Clone Wars, Season 3, Episodes 12, 13, and 14, as we're talking about the Ventress and Oppress Savage plot arc. All that and more with myself, Sarah, and Riki after this commercial break we have no control over. Hello again, I'm Matthew, your host, joined as always when we talk about the Clone Wars by Riki and Sarah Hayashi. How are you folks doing tonight? Hey, how are you? We're good. I'm so excited. This is my excited voice. (laughs) (laughs) He's also making his excited face. You know, the world is a little bit of a dumpster fire right now, but we're into, I think, some of the prime Clone Wars uh, TV. Um, This is certainly some of my favorite episodes and some of the ones I was most excited to dive into. Um, I will start, though, with a quick personal announcement. Um... For Star Wars fans, I will probably not be releasing an episode next week, and possibly not the week after. Um, Due to happy news, uh, my partner and I are going to be getting married on October 10th, 2010. We'd had big plans to do something that day, then we thought we were going to postpone it a year, then general arm-waving at the universe, everything that has happened. So we decided to do a small little ceremony on October 10th, and as part of getting ready for that, I'm going to give myself a small break, so there will be... No Star Wars content next week, possibly none the week after, but we will be coming back soon with more Clone Wars, with more movies, and at the end of October, Mandalorian comes back, and we will be doing episode-by-episode episode, uh, uh, episodes on that. So stay tuned for all that. But today we get to talk about some of the best of the Clone Wars TV show, where it really gets into some issues that the show never really gets, the, the movies never really get to explore, especially in terms of what does using the Force at and the dark side of the Force especially, look like when you get outside of the the Jedi-Sith mentality. This is the plot arc where... uh, We're not going to talk about it as three separate separate episodes. We're really going to kind of talk about it as as one long story, which it really is. But the the basic story arc, for those who don't remember it, is Sidious has decided that he's concerned that um, Dooku's uh, student Ventress is getting too strong and might become a threat. He orders that she be killed. Dooku tries to kill her, doesn't do a very good job of it. So she goes back to her home planet and meets with the Night Witches, a group of magic-using, force-using something, um, which we'll definitely get into. They have um, a, a set of men who also live on the planet. They live in totally separate parts of the planet, also worth exploring. Um, and it turns out these men seem to be the race that our old favorite from the uh, Clone War movies, Darth Maul is from. Uh, Ventress recruits another person of that group named um, Savage Opress to, <laughs> to uh, in a Sorry. very, very subtle name. Um, he's certainly not oh, savage, and he certainly doesn't want to oppress anybody. No. Um, there's a couple of uh, fight scenes. The Jedi try to go after Savage. Savage is a great warrior all of a sudden, uh, and uh, Ventress tries to spring the trap to get Savage to turn on Dooku. It doesn't work out. Savage turns on all of them and then eventually is sent by Mother Tamlin off to find his brother, Darth Maul. So, very, very quick summary of the plot. You can read all about it online as well as hopefully watch these episodes because I think they're some of the best in the Clone Wars. Um, but for you guys, let's just start general. What What's your take on these episodes? Uh, yeah, these I totally agree. These are some of my favorite episodes of the series, question mark? Definitely of the season. 
Well, we talk a lot about how this season is when the show gets good. And this arc is when this season gets good in a particular way. Yeah. Which is similar to like on Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine. When the Dominion is introduced, it kind of really sets the tone for the series finally and creates an arc that is followed really until the end of the series. And that's yeah. really that's what we have here. Um, we are we are going to revisit these characters and these themes over and over again uh, until the end of the series. Yeah. yeah, and there's there's so many little details in these episodes that like it's strange because they don't feel especially quote unquote Star Wars mm-hmm. to me. But I just love some of um, like the plot devices and the, and the little uh, storyline techniques that they're using throughout these episodes, um, which really like. I feel like address some of my major beefs from the yeah. previous seasons. And I think the point that you're making about how they don't really feel like Star Wars makes some sense because I think in these episodes they they go kind of outside the traditional Star Wars, you know, realm. You know, like if there's a circle of defined here is Star Wars territory, they go in a pretty distinct different direction. But one that I think is very fitting, because I think really what they're doing is not changing the universe, they're expanding it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, at least, the, the real thing that I love is they're exploring what does using the Force look like outside of the Jedi and the Sith. Because, and this is a theme that is going to come up more and more as the Clone Wars goes on, but it's one that, um, I don't know if this, you were saying this is one of your complaints, it's probably one of the biggest complaints I always had about the, um, the original movies, much as I love them is that we don't really ever understand what is, is the force just about the Jedi and the Sith or are there more people who can use it? Yeah. That, I mean, that, that is not one of my complaints, but I totally get where you're coming from. This like exploring the force and what I like, how it opens it up to interpretation. And I think that's been one of my big beefs is this um, quick quickness to narrow down details that then lock the writers into to future plot points. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, at the very beginning of this arc, uh, we start off and like Ventress is flying around in a ship. Obi Wan and Anakin are also there because there's there's some sort of war happening, but it doesn't explain like what battle's going on, why Ventress is there, right. or any of that. And I I love that because like we we don't care. It doesn't matter. It's totally irrelevant. We know that the uh, Republic and the Separatists are at war. So them having a battle makes total sense. We don't need, like, all that explanation as to why. And then, like, later on, we could come back and be like, oh, yeah, that was this reason. This is why they were fighting. And so, like, I like that the Force is sort of opened up to, like, maybe it's magic with a K. Maybe maybe the Night Witches can use it. Maybe they can't. Maybe it's not the Force. Who knows? Um... But leave it open to interpretation. There's an element of mystery that's added mm-hmm. into this, which I really like. Yeah, and it leaves these like nice little threads for like either future writers or like really fun fan theories to kind of build off of, which is great. I think that this is, I mean, what the Force should be about. Mm. Not midichlorians. Like you, you said it was like the kind of the antithesis or. or departure right from Mm -hmm. the force but the force i I don't know like i think needs more mysticism Mm -hmm. yeah in it and yeah like don't use the m word because that's just trying to explain it is 
is BS. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what I was saying. Like, I like in um, the... Is it Rise of Skywalker where Luke is telling Rey to, like, reach out into the Force? Yes. And there's, like, a... Last Jedi. Last Jedi? Okay. And then there's, like, a... She's got, like, a vision and it's kind of like, all of nature is the Force. Um, And I I mean, like, I, I, I like that, right? Like, the Force is some sort of magic that exists in this universe and the Jedi are using it in this sort of narrow Jedi way. But there right. are other species using it in different ways. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I often use the, the metaphor of religion for the Force. And it's interesting, uh, as part of the rewatch of the movies I'm doing on the other part of this podcast, we just watched A New Hope about a month ago. And I was reminded how many people in that movie distinctly refer to the Force as a religion. Um, mm-hmm. and, and what I go to that is that in many religions, I'm not going to claim all, but many there's a sort of central truth claim about a divine mysticism that is kind of beyond words and beyond human comprehension and that we're going to try and, you know, build stories to understand it better. And that one thing that happens over time is that those stories become kind of solidified more and more to the point where, as you said, people only see like the narrow little, uh, you know, version of, of the divine thing, whatever it is, or the mystical thing, whatever it is that the one group can can hold on to. And I think the Jedi are a great example of that. And and to me, it's... Ricky, I think actually you make a good point. I should correct what I say. It's not even that it's a departure overall. It's... Because I think the original movies do have this much more expansive idea of it. It's that as the movies went on and as other things went on, it became a lot narrower. Uh, and certainly in terms of just the pop culture understanding of it and things like that. So this is... It's maybe a, a departure. Maybe it's sort of a getting back to the original roots. But either way, it's yeah. a really interesting new way to see the force certainly when we get to the prequel movies the jedi council like acts much more like a political entity Mm -hmm. and we don't get enough glimpses of the training and the actual belief systems you know like when when they walk through the temple we just kind of see stuff happening in the background yeah no i think that's a very good point and you're right it's much more their political machinations and their kind of ideas of you know we control the force without any idea of what else is out there mm-hmm. so let's kind of go through the story um it one of our first real first of all I, I i like your point about the um that we get the war scene but but we don't really care i, mm-hmm. I think last time we talked we talked about how there hadn't been much war so far and i was at first kind of disappointed that we're back to the war but then i saw ventress and i was like oh okay nope this is gonna be fine <laughs> um and so one of the first things that happens is ventress wins a victory and and Sidious kind of has a talk with Dooku, and Sidious is clearly very concerned and says that um, Dooku has to kill Ventress. What do you think is is um, Sidious's motivation here? Why is he so concerned about this? Well, isn't it like the classic rule of two Sith mentality? Like right, like rule of two point five. Two point five. Exactly. Like your your apprentice is getting real good. Which means, by a rule of two, you're going to kill me right away. So you got to get rid of your apprentice. Right. Right? Th- like, sorry, go ahead. Do you think there's a possibility that one thing Sidious is thinking is that he only wants one of them, but that he's not really sure which one is good? Like, I, I'm wondering if he thinks, I, I need Dooku strong, so we should kill Ventress. Or if he's actually thinking, I want Dooku and Ventress to fight, and I don't know who's going to win. And I either won... If whichever one wins, that's the one who should be my apprentice. Do, do you think he thinks there's a possibility Ventress could win this fight? Or is he just, I need Dooku, Dooku should kill Ventress? 
I I mean, yeah, I think I think that could be it. Um, but I think like ultimately it's a preservation thing for him, right? Like, either I get I get Dooku and Ventress fighting each other, or Ventress just straight up dies, and then I don't have to worry about one of these guys coming for me. Right. I I think he's already he is already setting up Anakin as his next apprentice. Oh, so mm. he's just like getting rid of the the rest and. He's just Sidious is just trying to delay Dooku trying to take over. Mm. Yeah. And kind of testing him, testing his loyalty and resolve in the process. Yeah. And that, and especially that makes sense because Anakin killing Dooku like is much younger. He may even be thinking like I don't want Anakin trying to fight Ventress, you know, I want the I want it to be Anakin versus versus Dooku. Mm. Um I, I have to then say Dooku's first attempt to kill her is really clumsy. Well, it's just very convenient, right? Like, Ventress lands on um, a, a Republic ship. I keep wanting to say Rebel ship. Um, so I might, just warning. But yeah, um, she lands there. And then he's basically just like, well, this is convenient. Blow up the ship. Right? Like, I thought, it, it, I thought she was on a, a separatist ship. And that was oh, part of the she? weird thing is that he's blowing up one of his own ships just to get her. That's even worse. Yeah, it, it is very just like, like he doesn't want to get his hands dirty. Mm-hmm. It's just much easier to be like, mm, okay, blow it up. He like quickly like gives her a phone call and is like, mm, hey, you're going to die now. Bye. <laughs> and like hangs up. But yeah, I don't know. So I think like because Obi-Wan and Anakin were on the ship with her that I thought that it was a... They, also, they, they just also, also crash on there. Yeah. yeah. So I mean like, I don't know. I don't even know why Dooku called her to tell her he's trying to kill her because like he could have just blown up the ship and then if slash slash when it didn't work and ventress was pissed about it just be like oh i was trying to kill anakin it's Don't worry mostly about it. just a plot convenience sure yeah for him to think that he's killed her and for her to actually get away because I mean, the the correct way to do it is just face to face right know, lightsaber her because he's he's presumably more powerful and then we do get the like he asks for the confirmation, and droids are basically just like, "Well, ship's pretty blown up, so yeah. she's probably dead." It's funny because the way they write it, his attempt is so clumsy mm-hmm. that I remember having a moment thinking, "Maybe Dooku wants her to live. Maybe this is Dooku's way of sort of making Sidious happy." And they realized, "No, they're not trying to go for that something that complex. They just wrote this part badly." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does kind of feel like he doesn't want to kill her, though, right? Like he doesn't want to be—he doesn't want to stand in front of her and stab her. With his lightsaber, which right. is what he should do to make sure that she dies. So he's taking this sort of, I don't want to say coward's way out, because, like, I, I don't know, murder people, but. I was thinking coward's actually kind of accurate, because it may also be just not just that he doesn't want to, but I, I think he's not 100% sure he would win a fight directly against her. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So she finds out that he, he was behind it, she feels betrayed. And she flees to the Night Witches. Um, how do we feel about the Night Witches? Oh, it's so good about the Night Witches. Yeah, I think in the the next episode, or no, this episode, Obi-Wan describes Dathomir as like nothing but fog and witches. And I'm like, oh yeah, sign me up. I I don't know. I love the Night Witches. I love Dathomir. A plus super great. The only, like, I agree. It's a great setting. Um, and if you play... What is it? Jedi Fallen Order. Fallen Order, yeah. There's a 
there's a uh, extended level that takes place on Dathomir, which is fantastic and touches on a lot of the same atmosphere and themes and character design. My only like minor complaint here is the the voice actress who plays Mother Talzin, <gasps> the leader. <gasps> mm-hmm. What? I'm gasping because I love Mother Talzin. Sure, I, but um, she's played by Barbara Goodson, who you may recognize from Ah, after ten thousand years, I'm finally free. What Rita from yeah. Power Rangers? <laughs> uh, I mean, she has a very extensive resume right. throughout. Uh, you know, anime, games, etc. I, I will say, um, I, I never quite got around to Power Rangers when I was, <gasps> the time when it was coming out, I wasn't really into that highbrow entertainment, so I, I missed it. <laughs> it's Power Rangers highbrow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and she's very good. She's yeah. very talented. But I have to question, you know, so like part of what I read about her, like when playing this character Mother Talzin was, like basically Rita Repulsa with an additional layer of like Romani or Romanian accent mm. added to it. Mm. And I'm like, okay, you pulled that off, you know, in a believable way. Why not get not a white lady to play this character? Yeah. Then is, is, is my only, you know, complaint about this. Right. Yeah. I, I, I can understand that if they're going for something more Romani, uh, I, I think Romani are considered white, but, but certainly maybe, but I, I could well be wrong there in either way, having someone of that background, whether that is considered white or not, I think could have been a, uh, a more interesting choice. But you're right. I, I do love her voice for this. And I, I think one of you commented on it. I love what they do with um, – I'm not sure quite what it is. I think they have someone someone else repeating her words or that maybe they're having a recording of her words but a couple octaves lower. But yeah, they... it's so good. Yeah. All of that, like, I, I love – I love the actual voice acting and mm-hmm. I think it's great and the, the echo effect is fantastic. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just like a representation thing. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that's just, fair. You know, we've talked about it before and yeah. I think especially in animated features, I think I want to hear more voices, more authentic voices Instead if we're like going to try to use like different accents and stuff. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I, I think that's a very good point, especially where, you know, I think it's easy for someone to say, oh, with Star Wars, all the accents are made up. But when they're very clearly trying to have different characters be represented by different regions on, on our own planet and, and those accents being, I, I think that's a really fair point. Um, yeah. So what what do you like about the Night Witches uh, for both of you? But Sarah, I know especially you're a big fan. Oh, man. Oh, man. What don't I like about the Night Witches? Um, so, first of all, I love the whole, like, Dothamir lore. Because Ricky mentioned they get kind of deep into it in um, Jedi Fallen Order, the video game. Which is mm. where I first kind of got into it. It's just got this, like, super cool, creepy vibe as a planet. Like, the whole planet's basically, like, red and covered in dust. And everyone seems to live in these, like, nomadic caves. But, like, they've carved out the caves and there's like really interesting architecture like they've got all these like caryatid arches for the night witches area and mm-hmm. it leads into this like really big cavernous creepy witchy space which is awesome um oh man they're just so cool <laughs> and yeah i like that it's so dathomir is like this colony of aronia which is where most of the zabrik i think is what their the species is called are from yeah um, so Dathomir is like this colony which like the Night Sisters just effed off to. 
Yeah. And they live there. There's a few men, as you mentioned before, the Knight Brothers, who live on there. But it's mostly just this, like, colony of witches using their magic, doing their thing. And, like, Mother Talzin as a character is, like, super, super, super interesting. So she's, um, she's Darth Maul's biological mother. Oh, interesting. I hadn't known that. Okay. Yeah, I didn't, I went on a bit of a deep dive. Um, and then, like, Dooku kidnapped Maul from her to, like, make him his apprentice. Right. So they've got, like, major beef. And, yeah, I don't know. They're just, like... Sidious, right? I mean, Sidious kidnapped Maul? Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I, I have Dooku written in my notes, but that is correct. <laughs> yeah, Sidious. Well, so here's a fundamental question I have. Are mm-hmm. Is everyone on this planet or everyone of this group particularly attuned to the Force? Because they, they sort of go back and forth with this. Because on the one hand, it seems like a number of them are Force users. Sauvage Opress and his folks don't seem to be Force users, but seem to be like they can use this magic to awaken the Force in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't think... Force like, steroids. Force steroids, <laughs> yeah. That like weird ritual that they, they do on Sauvage. Yeah, like so that's another reason, I think, why I like it, is because it's just like, these ladies are witches. And I'm like... I don't know. I'm all for that. Um, but yeah, it seems like all the women are very in touch with the Force. They call it magics. And like we watch right. with the subtitles on, and it's like magic with a K, which is just like peak peak witchy goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the 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 men on the planet, who they're calling like the, the warriors. So yeah, um, Ventress comes back, meets up with Mother Talzin, is very upset that like yet again a man has betrayed her. Um and Mother Talzin's like, well, we'll get him back. Don't you worry. And sends him off to this colony. And it, the the men of the colony appear to think that it's, like, part of their mating ritual. Like, the Night Sisters come. They have a big old fight. And then one of the women chooses them. And they go off and make babies. Yeah. <laughs> but clearly that's not what she's what she's about. But, yeah, they're, they're just referred to as, like, the warriors. But, I mean, Ventress easily takes them down i think she yeah. takes on like seven at once and it's just like n- no problems whatsoever and, and it's having so much joy in it i mean there's oh, such yeah. a realm of you know and 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 clearly the writers and artists are having fun with it and i'm sure quite a lot of um teenagers who would grow up to have a lot of very strong feelings about strong dominant women had very strong <laughs> feelings about it and and you know that's great um it, it, it's so refreshing to see because it's 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 evil having fun in a way that we don't really get to see very often. Yeah, she's not just like, as you refer to it, mustache twirling, right? Yeah. Um, she's. I, it's a little bit of like that hell hath no fury yeah, situation. Um, but also, yeah, Ventress is just like taking control, taking her power back. And um, we do get to see a lot of her uh, backstory too, right? Where she's She's first sold by Mother Talzin to, like, some gang for protection. And then, like, the person she sold to dies. She gets taken on by, like, a Jedi who starts to teach her the Force. Mm-hmm. And then he dies. And then um, Doku, Dooku scoops her up. And now he's attempted to kill her. Yeah. So, yeah. She, she's got she, some abandonment issues. <laughs> yeah. For good reason. Yeah. And I, I think one... I like that you referred to it as magics. Because one thing I think that they really do well in this arc... And it kind of speaks to what we were just talking about before, is, and to explain this, I'm going to back up a bit. 
one of my favorite role-playing games is called Mage the Ascension. It's part of the White Wolf World of Darkness. And in it, it's a bunch of whole different magic users. And one of the conceits of the game is that different magic users have different paradigms of how they use magic. And so there's a group of hermetic mages who think that magic happens because you cast these intricate formulas and read from specific old books and things like that. And then there are others who are kind of um, mystical, uh, you know, the, the wise man up on the mountain who believe it's through meditation and inner focus and someone else for whom it's that they believe magic can, you know, it's kind of like pseudoscience or whatever it is. And the conceit of the game is that magic itself is, is indescribable. It's, it's beyond human understanding in that regard. And so people build models to help them better understand it. And I kind of like the idea that maybe it, it, I don't think what they're saying is that Mother Tanslin and these folks do magic, which is totally separate from the force. I mm-hmm. think it's that there's this just energy in the world that some people call the force and other people call the dark side and other people call magic or some people call some blending of magic and, and, and the force or whatever it is. And that it's, it's not that one is right or wrong. It's just different paradigms through which to understand something that's kind of by definition impossible to pin down. Yeah, totally. And like, even like we see that the um, night sisters use magic, like they're using potions as well. Right. So it's like this, like they're really interpreting the force in more of a, like, which is around a cauldron sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas I guess like the Jedi would be doing it more of that, like monkey sense that you were mentioning. Right. You mean like, like monks, not, you said not monkey, yes, like, yes. Yeah. monk-like, not monkey. Yeah, not monkey the yeah. animal. Yeah. I had a conversation with someone on Twitter where I expressed, I'm just waiting for someone to use the force to time travel. Mm. Mm. Because really, like, you can just make stuff up. And there's no real rules for what you can or cannot make up right. when it comes to the force. Like, there are, the rules is established for what, how Jedi use the force. Yeah. And like push things around and whatnot. I, I think, it, I, I, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there's no inherent rules they can break. The, the only thing though, is that anytime you introduce a new power, you now have to be able to answer the question. Why has no one else in your story ever used this power? Yeah. Um, that... Go ahead. But like, to me, the real problem with this is um, when Ray suddenly is able to use the force to heal people, in um, Rise of Skywalker, you know, raises the question, why has, have we never seen any other healing Jedi before? Yeah, um, and... Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking about. And they I had, don't think that's new. If you... I, so, so they, the Mandalorian was out at a similar time um, as Rise of Skywalker, but they released an episode basically right before the movie came out. And in that episode... Baby Yoda, I know he's called the child, but he's Baby Yoda in my heart, <laughs> uses healing magic and then Ray uses it in the movie. And it really feels like they released that episode early just to be like, mm, see, this healing magic thing. Right. It's been around the whole time. Don't worry about it. Well, and again, but not to go do down that, that rabbit hole, but yeah, I, I think putting that aside, I do agree that um, with you, Riki, that um, it's a nice thing about the Force, the way they'd have established it, that as long as they can answer that question to some extent, there is almost any power that we could imagine that they can justify with a force because it's just that broad. Mm-hmm. And even though, like the, the pinning things down, the, like in Rise of Skywalker, right, we have Rey use lightning hands, which is like a clear sign that she's a Palpatine. 
But in um, this first episode in this arc, uh, Dooku uses lightning hands, and it's apparently not related to Palpatine in any biological sense. So, like, eh? Well, do we have a reason to think that it is connected to Palpatine himself, not just to dark side users? I mean, he's the only one we've seen use it, other than um, Dooku now, right? Well, we really don't. I mean, what other? Yeah. Mm. What other dark side? You, I mean, we meet Vader, who is very sort of disconnected from his own body. Um, yeah, and like Maul, I guess, who doesn't mm. stick around very long, right? That's true. That's true. But yeah, yeah, good point. Um, but yeah, it's it seemed like in the movie, like that was the key that she was a Palpatine. But oh, interesting. I, I definitely didn't get that. I thought that was just a sign that she was a, a, a just moving towards the dark side. But that, mm. that's right. I. I think I can fairly say that I don't think Rise of Skywalker fully explained things about Palpatine's <laughs> origins and the role of the dark side. So I think that's, that's fair. That's, that's fair. a fair statement. That's a, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's neat how they take this, especially Star Wars being told as this out-of-order story, mm-hmm. um, having to then like mesh things so that they fit into the upcoming lore. Then also, yeah, like explaining things like goes back. There's another fun moment from this first um, episode in this arc where, so speaking about the potions, Mother Talzin's first plan is like to give um, Ventress and like two other Night Sisters this potion that like makes them invisible, which right. is neat. And then they're gonna like sneak in, shoot Dooku with a poison dart to take away his force powers, and then kill him. Which, why not just you put poison in the poison dart? But they're like crawling through the vents, and Ventress has this line where she says, I could smell his stench a parsec away. And it's just like every time they use parsec for distance, it just feels like a big, like, see, we know it's distance. <laughs> yeah, that that's one thing they'll never quite live down from that first movie. Yeah, and, but it's so like. I don't know. I, I appreciate that, like, the Kessel Run is a maze, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how they, they, they got around that. But there are, like, some fun, like, alternate fan theories as well before um, Solo came out and really nailed that down. Where, like, it was either, like, Han was testing Obi-Wan to see, like, how much how much does this guy know? How much can I get away with? Oh, I like or, that. Like, he didn't, he didn't know himself and was just, like, using big old fancy words. Mm-hmm. And, like... I mean, it's also a fake universe. Like, George Lucas could have said, you know, like, you know what? In my universe, parsecs are a unit of time. The end. And I think one of the things that we often forget is that when those movies originally came out, you know, you saw it in the theater. Mm -hmm. And then you were done. Yeah. And we didn't have the ability to, to like, (laughs) we didn't have the ability to pause it every two seconds and, like, study everything in uh, in the shot and, like, Google every term that was used. And I think, I think this is a good thing, but I think... There's a level of detail and details matching up that we expect now from pop pop culture movies and, and TV shows that just would have been unheard of in the 70s. Oh, yeah, totally. But if we did pause it, we would see a stormtrooper storm hitting his head. <laughs> yeah. They added in the, in the like, re... They added a sound effect. They added the sound That's effect. Right. The One bomb. of the only good yeah. additions. I think um, you were actually told me that. <laughs> so yeah, any, any other thoughts though on that? Because actually, we we jumped ahead to Savage, but before we even get yeah. there, 
the first attempt is for Ventress and her two sisters, um, or fellow night witches, to try and uh, take down Dooku himself. Uh, it's it's a fun lightsaber scene. It does seem like it's not the best thought out plan, as you said. Um, but I, I think part of it is the, um, I think when he wrote this in the notes, it's, it's in part because it's not just that they want to kill Dooku. It's that they want Dooku to know he was defeated by Ventress. And yes, this yeah. is one of those times when it is a very dark side kind of idea of you want vengeance. You want them to know they were beaten instead of just beating them. And And it's a very like, ride your emotions even though maybe it's not the most logical plan of attack mm-hmm. yeah i i kept coming back to edit this like one point in the notes because originally i was like this is a complicated and dumb plan why not just poison him and then thought about it and was like yeah they want like this is a complicated plan because like the plan is you go in you disguise yourself you use lightsabers so that dooku thinks he's being attacked by Jedi. So then he comes to Dathomir to recruit another um, apprentice, and then they give him Savage, who grows and like gains trust with him, and they get this bond, and then boom, Savage betrays him, and Dooku feels as betrayed by Savage as Ventress does by Dooku. Right. Which is like the long con. <laughs> <laughs> um, Definitely is. And like feels like it gets executed a little quicker than than scheduled um by the end of the episode at the end of this arc but yeah i mean it's it is as you say like very dark sidey right like sidious's plan is the long long con like the the 30 some years in the making so Mm -hmm. having this bonkers complicated plan that's supposed to be executed over a very long period of time is maybe the most star wars feeling thing in this whole arc it's one of the things I think I like most about the sisters. They do feel very dark side in that mm-hmm. they're about emotion. And it's not, I, I described them as evil before, and that might not be quite accurate. They're very different from the Sith and they don't seem to have any need to leave the planet. You know, they're happy on their planet. They're happy to live their life. And they seem to have, you know, a, a family culture of sorts in which people aren't just murdering each other at the drop of a hat. Um, but when they're wronged that, you know, they're happy to yeah. go out into the universe when they have a reason to and will, you know, kill the people they need to kill. But they don't have that Sith. I need to rule everyone. You know, they're perfectly happy to just stay on Dathomir and be left alone, which is so it, it is dark side. It's just not Sith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So let's let's get into episode 13 with, um, you know, so now we've we've tried to, to kill him that way. Now we're going to recruit some friends. Um, what, how do you guys like this whole story of uh, the recruitment of Sauvage and how that all plays out? Well, he, the voice actor who plays Sauvage is just like flat out one of the best in the industry. Uh, mm-hmm. Clancy Brown, mm-hmm. who you may recognize as the voice of Lex Luthor on Superman and Justice League yep. animated. Among you know hundreds of things, like he's Your he's up there <laughs> with Mark Hamill as like oh, like I'm pretty sure he was an Avatar as maybe Zahir. Yeah, I want to say yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's, which is funny because he's there's such different roles. Um, Zahir is kind of a half a perfectly halfway between Lex and Savage in some ways, hmm. and and just like if Mark Hamill like in his villainous characters adds kind of like. A maniacal energy. Clancy Brown adds 
a, a aura of menace. Yeah. Like his voice is deeper and he ju- like you just feel I mean literally oppressed by his voice, <laughs> I feel like. The the best compliment I think I can give the actor, and some of this is the writing and the setting, but a lot of it's the actor, is that I have to be reminded that he has this ridiculously cheesy name. <laughs> You know, because yes, like yeah. I get into the story and I'm like, oh yeah, God, oppressed. He's terrifying. He's scary. He kills Jedi, and like, there's so much about his story that makes no sense. Um, on some level, you know, because the, the way it plays out, he goes through this whole ritual of, um, you know, fighting against his uh his fellows, and he tries to protect his brother. But then, um, once he gets like force magic and and becomes this great force user, he he is happy to kill his brother. He's had a total brainwashing and they keep talking about how now he's got all this potential, but he needs to be trained. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he's able to kill Jedi, um, which, but the thing is, I, th- I think you're right, Ricky, because of the way he portrays a character, it, you have to stop and think about the fact that it feels wrong because in the moment it just feels like, well, yeah, this guy's the most badass. Of course he's going to win this fight. Yeah. Well, even like you were mentioning, so part of the, the mating ritual is like, the warriors killing each other. It's not just Ventress beating them all up. But yeah, he's like protecting his brother. Who, his brother's name is Feral. So like, the <laughs> naming parents. conventions on this planet are interesting. Mauled. Um, hmm? Maul, Feral, Savage, uh-huh. which is just spelled savage. But yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and, and I think it is dealing with this like, your power comes from emotion, right? So like, the reason Savage is able to win is because he's protecting his brother, and he feels this, like, either, like, hate towards Ventress for attacking him, or, like, this love for his brother to protect him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then they, they, he and Ventress fight, they do the weird, like, I I initially called it, like, the the Captain America treatment, because they, like, both (laughs) of them, but I think, like, the Hulk treatment might be better, because, yeah, they, like, he doesn't seem to have any memories at all um he's just like this yeah big brute now um and i I, i'm like i've got in in my my notes here it's like he's drawing his powers from emotions which is hate but like didn't wasn't he doing that before like he was hating ventress when what hate does he have now that all his memories have been erased like did he somehow take on ventress's hate and part of this ritual is he only hate I have questions. <laughs> For sure. Um, because, yeah, as soon as this ritual is over, the Knights of Six are just like, all right, now kill your brother. And he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really feels like a brainwash. It feels like he has become Definitely. a very different kind of a person. Yeah. But he's still like, he's not, <laughs> the brainwash didn't didn't completely go as planned, it seems. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, so what's your take on why is he able to kill a Jedi so quickly? Yeah, so in the next episode, he, like, instantly goes to another planet and just, yeah, murders a Jedi in a Padawan. It's a force, force steroids. Yeah. Like, he just brute force kills the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, like, like Dooku, yeah, so they, they give him to Dooku and they're like, here's your new apprentice, have fun. Um, and Dooku's always commenting about how he's untrained. And I think that's true because he's just raw power. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, he kills a Jedi, but it's, like, like Riki was saying, it's just brute force. He doesn't have any sort of finesse. He's just, like, smashing into something, and it 
topples down because he's strong enough. Yeah, I, I think the Jedi tries to do some cutesy maneuver, and it's like, no, nah, I'm just gonna <laughs> hit you yeah. really hard. It reminds me almost of like I was watching this Twitch stream of this chess grandmaster, um, and he's just playing rounds, and someone comes on, and he's like, oh, I think he's doing this technique. No, no way, he's definitely doing this technique know what and he's like beaten in like 10 ish moves <laughs> so then he like gets on the messenger and is like hey what, what move is that how long have you been playing and this, this guy's like oh i just learned like a month or two ago i'm not using a technique and i think like that's it right like you're expecting your opponent to have this level of finesse and like fighting decorum right even if it is like the the dark side it reminds me a lot of martial arts films where like a martial arts uh, master, you know, will be doing all these jumps and kicks and spins and stuff. And then like comes up against like just a brute force opponent who, yeah, just takes all the blows, doesn't care, and just punches his way through. Yeah, or like yeah. Indiana Jones just pulls out his gun and shoots him. <laughs> sure. Have you all seen um, uh, uh, Cobra Kai? Yes, yes, we just finished watching it. I oh. love love that show. We did an episode about it on superhero ethics because there's so much there. But I, I think the character of Hawk is an exact uh, example of what you're talking about. He mm-hmm. has some martial arts skill, but mostly he's just incredibly aggressive because he recognizes that most teenagers, even if they have some training, will just kind of flinch to some extent when someone charges at them that brutally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that basically any he's very successful, except anyone who knows how to fight that will will defeat him. Um, yeah, and I think yeah, I think I think I, that actually makes sense as a description of Savage. Um, you know, Obi Wan describes him later. I think is like he's, he's like a beast. Um, you he, know, he's he's uh, a reckless, impulsive animal. Yeah, is what he says. It's like you know something savage. But yeah, yeah, exactly. He mm-hmm. is. He's a reckless, impulsive animal. Yeah. So we get we get this great introduction to him, and and I, I like the idea of the Captain America switch for him. Um, I think also though, just before we move on, there was a line from, um, Mother Talzin, uh, about the, the training of men that you might wanted to comment on, Sarah. Yes. Yes. Well, that was, um, was that 13th episode 13? Yeah. 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 So near the beginning, um, Dooku is like showing up on the planet to get his new apprentice. Like everything's going according to plan. Um, and she's talking about like, well, I think you should have a male apprentice this time. Um, and she's like, men are easy to con- easy to acquire, but hard to control, which is just like as she's pulling all of Dooku's puppet strings, and he's just like, oh yeah, totally, yeah, yeah hard <laughs> to control, definitely. And it's just so like, I don't know, I can just like feel Mother Talvin rolling her eyes after she says this, like, Dooku, you so dumb. Yeah, it's but it's yeah. a it's a great little line, uh, especially awesome. and. and it, I like, I mean, they don't hit you over the head with it, but obviously the gender dynamic here is a very important thing and that this is, uh, Daramir is very, very much a matriarchal society in a great way to they play with it. Yeah, and I mean, like, there are parts of it that I'm not, like, super thrilled about. It definitely deals with, like, women are conniving thing a little bit, but I don't know. They're just, like, too powerful and awesome for me to be, like, super upset about it. Yeah, I get that. Um, so yeah, anything else from, from this part of the story or should we move into 14 where, um, Obi-Wan, uh, gets into the hunt for what, what he describes him as a reckless, impulsive animal? Yes. Yeah. 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 Episode 14. Yeah. So here we get, um, Obi-Wan is now on the trail. Um, they're obviously very upset. Um, and I like that we're also seeing how Dooku is training, um, 
Savage because Dooku strikes me as a person who he really needs someone to run HR for the separatists, you know, <laughs> like he does not know how to build employee loyalty um, in any way. Um, and I, I, there's an extent to which I feel like even if Savage didn't have someone coming to him to get him to switch sides, he's probably going to give up on Dooku himself because Dooku's really pushing in ridiculous ways. But that's, that's the way. Yeah. That, that is how the Sith operate is that I am more powerful than you. Hence I get to make the rules and I get to put you down and smack you around. And if you become more powerful than me, you kill me and you take over. I mean, that's, that's the rule of two right there. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I think, like, you pointed out, Matthew, that, like, he says that, you know, he's, he's putting him down, and he's like, oh, you're weak and not powerful, which is, like, clearly untrue, because he's just murdered a Jedi. Right. And a bunch of other folks. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, set up, uh, Sith training, not Jedi training, is just, like, constantly putting down your apprentice, because, like, what Riki was saying, it's all this power dynamics. And that's how you unleash the power of your apprentice in the dark side, is just to make mm -hmm. them angry. Good, good. Yeah. Let your hate flow through you. Let it all flow. Let it all flow. Um, yeah, so... So Ventress now... What, what exactly is the plan here? Because I never quite understood what the idea of... Like, if, if Savage is a sleeper agent... First, first of all, I think when you commented that it seemed like this got all revealed very fast. And I, I, I think this may have been the not trusting the audience. And again, the like, because we don't have DVR, people aren't going to go back and watch things. Maybe they were worried about introducing a plot point that wouldn't get resolved until months later. Um, but it did feel very rushed to me. But but even putting that aside, um, what was her actual plan? Because it doesn't, it didn't really become clear to me. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you're right. It. Like I mentioned, it feels like they're setting up the long con, but execute it too quickly. Um, and yeah, I guess like having one big overarching story, or at least have this be the big overarching story, maybe isn't the direction Clone Wars was wanting to go. Because we are very removed from the Jedi over here in this storyline. But the the impression that I got as to why they pulled the trigger so quick is they see that like Savage is losing loyalty to the Night Sisters, and like maybe gaining a little more loyalty right. towards Dooku, or at the very least not listening to Mother Talzin and the Night Sisters as much as they want him to. So they're like, okay, it's kind of now or never. If we don't pull the trigger now, we lose him. So, time to go. Right. I think they just... I think Ventress just underestimated Dooku. I mean, they get him alone mm -hmm. in his chamber, throne room, whatever, with Ventress and Savage. And Dooku's like, ah, like Savage, kill her. And it's like, nope. Hey, he's gonna try to kill you. And that's exactly what they wanted, right? A two on one with no no other distractions, no droids, no Sidious. Right. And they just couldn't take him because he's too good. Yeah, but it feels like that two on one happened way earlier than planned, right? Because they wanted they wanted Dooku to feel like extreme loyalty and ties to Savage, like he had to like Ventress had to hint basically. Right. And I think as for two reasons. A is because 
you know, the more Dooku is thrown off balance by the betrayal, the easier it'll be to beat him in the fight. Mm. But also because I think Ventress is still carrying her own sense of betrayal and she wants she wants him to feel that. I think when he said that oh, earlier. Yeah. 100%, yeah. Um, I yeah. I do have a little note here. Um, I watched these a couple weeks ago, so I, I, I must admit I don't remember the exact details. But I remember I have the line in here, why do ships and planets have no security? Um, it does <laughs> yeah. seem like they're able to sl- slip in and slip out pretty much without any problems. Well, this is like the... Oh, um, Ventress? No, no, no. I think, I think this is probably referring to Savage going and killing the Toydarian king. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, yeah, because he just, like, gets onto Toydaria. No problem. And, and murders? Yeah. The king? And that's, where Duke, like... that's when Dooku first gets really upset at him because he was ordered to bring the Toydarian king back alive. And, I, mm-hmm. and he winds up... I think it's kind of a heat-in-the-moment kind of thing and that there is some fighting, but, but Dooku is clearly very, very upset at him, and that's when Savage's loyalty starts to break. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's, again, his brute force. He's untrained, right? He's just, like, killing stuff. But, yeah, there's, yeah, planets have very bad security. Yeah, <laughs> very this much so. This room has bad security. Um, and then it's, it's weird. after. So Obi-Wan and Anakin are still trailing Savage at this point. Um, and they realize that the, the Tordarian king's been assassinated. And Anakin says, like, we'll make him pay for it. Which is like, that's not your job. Yeah, that's Anakin. a very uh, vengeance kind of idea. Right? Like, we'll arrest him and let him have a proper trial. <laughs> yeah, that's but that's strange. not fun to watch on screen. Exactly. True. You know. Um, but yeah, they're... They, they, they refer to Savage as a monster. A lot of times in this, this episode. Um... And yeah, I I don't know. I felt like it's got big Frankenstein vibes for me. I like that, especially because it feels like Ventress has actually repeated the same mistake. Dooku thought that the monster he created, Ventress, could be controlled and then just simply put down whenever he wants to. Clearly, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Ventress thinks that she can control Savage and basically use him as a tool right up to the point where he just says, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, I'm going to kind of not get pulled into this war on either side. Um, and, and I think that's one thing I like a lot about this, sh- this in general is that it's a very tight internal story, but it's also somewhat of a larger metaphor of, because the Night Sisters don't play a role in the separatist, you know, civil war, the war of the clones. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very clearly a group of people who are quite powerful, but are doing their best to stay out of this fight between the separatists and the Republic. And I, I really appreciate the way they highlight that as not everyone's part of this war. Yeah, definitely. Or like their their involvement is very self serving, I guess. Not not even in like a resources manner. It's just a like you made us angry, we will make you pay. But we're not getting involved in any of the, your politics or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, regarding that like Ventress thinks that her apprentice is going to be loyal. Like, Dooku says, a failed apprentice makes for a foolish <laughs> master to her, which is just, like, sick self-burn, Dooku. Like, yeah. Uh, Sometimes he doesn't really think that out the consequences apprentice. of what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was good. But yeah, especially, like, even just, like, Frankenstein in general, right? Like, they built this monster. They think they can control him. The only reason they're calling him a monster is because he's, like, you know, jacked up on four steroids. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... 
Yeah, I mean, it's got spike spikes on his got, head. He's got bigger spikes on his head than, than previous. Yeah, but it's not like nothing about him is actually truly monstrous. Like, yeah, I mean, before all this Captain America force magic stuff, he was wanting to protect his brother. He had yeah, kind of the most. Um, Humanity is the wrong term for, but I don't know if it's like species enemy, whatever it is. But you know sure, the, yeah. that that element of uh, was definitely there with him before all this started. Definitely, yeah, and even like afterwards, to some extent, he's. I mean, he's like calling Duku out on treating him poorly. He's basically saying like, "You you can't use me. I'm not some tool to be used by either Ventress or Duku." Um, and he has this like, yeah, species enemy, humanity about him even afterwards after he's had this like brainwashing which right. i mean yes same z's for frankenstein's monster <laughs> yeah so so what's mother Towson up to at the end because up till now her loyalty has seemed to be with the night sisters and she really sees the men of of dathomir as uh you know tools or pets you know that they're not at all her main concern um but now she's sending savage off to go look for darth maul um, instead of to like, you know, come back and help Ventress again. What is she just kind of sort of get rid of a problem? Is this about her wanting to find Darth Maul because he's her son? What What's your take on that? Yeah, I thought it was her wanting to find Maul because that's her son. And it's like, you need you need a pet project now. Go find the kid. Plot, <laughs> plot device. Plot device. <laughs> that's my answer. We got to set up this cool <laughs> meeting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, like internally, I, I think it, I, I mean... Mother Talzin has felt, like, very betrayed by Sidious and Dooku now, right? Just mm-hmm. because they stole two of her kids, right? Like, they... Yeah. Um, I guess they didn't, like, directly take Ventress, but still, like, they kind of did. Um, and, yeah, so it's just like, you know what? Why don't you go find your brother? And then maybe you can make something happen and, like, work out this revenge thing for me slash you? Yeah. Certainly, I get the sense that and this this comes more in later episodes, but I'll say this without spoiling it too much, because I do think it's a little bit present in this arc that Mother Talzin at least is un, is coming to understand that the ability of the Night Sisters to stay completely neutral in this fight of the Clone Wars is kind of coming to an end, mm-hmm. and that both sides are now going to be kind of you know showing covetous eyes towards this planet and towards its resources, and that. You know, maybe she needs to start building some defenses and having a Savage and a Darth Maul together could, could go a long way towards that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also... So we... When we watched Solo, we had not yet seen Clone Wars. <laughs> so we were, like, blown away by uh, Darth Maul sitting there. Oh, at yeah. The end, right? Because, like, this is, this is when you find out P.S. Darth Maul's not really dead. Is it, like, the end of this episode? Um... But yeah, I think it. So yes, it obviously. Darth Maul's not dead. Yes, Darth Maul's not dead. Which yeah, if you didn't know that, is like kind of a big shocker here. So I, I think it, in in part it's also like we're bringing back this cool character that everybody loved, who was from this planet. I mean, when I watched it, I had no idea that was coming. I I was, and I I even thought I wondered if that was real or if it was something totally different. What do you, What do you mean? You wonder if it was real. Um, I'm trying to remember. Do they do they actually show us Darth Maul, or is it just that they that Mother Talzin says he's out there and you have to go find him? She just says it. Yeah, she did like the crystal ball thing. I I think the first time I watched it, I wasn't entirely sure if either a she was lying or b she thought he was alive but he wasn't. Mm. Yeah, that that's true. That could yeah. be. 
I but, but yeah, yeah. It, so, it, we, we somewhat spoiled that, but I think it's, you know, 15 years old by this point. So you probably <laughs> Yeah, and also, like, if you've seen Solo, then you know that he's alive. I, as a general rule, don't ever want to do something based on the, I'm going to punish you for not having seen Solo. Because I, I think if you haven't seen Solo, you're a better person. So. What? Oh, that this. He doesn't like Solo. My goodness. Okay. Well, this, this is a different episode entirely. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get you on there. It is. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I ranked it below the 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 Star Wars Christmas special, and below a video of George Lucas silently watching the Muppet, the Star Wars Christmas special. You're the, you're the monster, Matthew. Yeah, no, I, I <laughs> despise... We'll, we'll get Jonah Kelman on as well, because he despises that movie with me. Oh my goodness. Um, it's because you don't like fun. Clearly, which is why I... Call, oh, called out. Which is why I keep fine. referencing the Muppets, who I love and adore, who are yeah. well known for being dour and sad. Um, I mean, those two old men, Statler and Waldorf. You know, and also Sam the Eagle, <laughs> the best characters. Yeah, uh, I think um, complete diversion. But one of my absolute favorite moments in all of Muppetdom is when they are doing a retelling of the Muppet Christmas Carol, and Sam the Eagle is a the head of the boarding school that young um, uh, uh, Scrooge that young Scrooge goes to, and Sam the Eagle is telling him, "You must learn business. It is the American way." I, I mean, the British way. Um, but anyway, uh, I think we are Speaking now pretty Solo, far into tangent land. So does anyone have any last comments on this arc before we wrap up? Well, didn't they recently announce that they're doing like the Lando TV show now in the future as well? I don't think that was super recent, but yeah. I, I thought they announced that a while ago and then it maybe got put on hold. Um, but it, I'd certainly love it if they did. I thought um, Daniel Glover was amazing in that role. Yeah, I just want every episode of that TV show to open with him, like sitting there as he does, like with his legs up, recording the Calrissian Chronicles. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, he's got a blog or a vlog or something like yes. that. Um, cool. Well, we will uh, be there to cover it when that uh, new TV show comes out, if it does. Meanwhile, uh, folks, thanks so much for being a listening audience. Let us know what you think. You can write in. Find us on. Facebook, Twitter, email, all the information is on our webpage, which you can find by going to strandedpanda.com and then clicking on Star Wars Universe Podcast. Uh, look for the two microphones crossed like lightsabers over the Rebel Alliance symbol. There you'll also find other great podcasts uh, that myself and others are on, where we talk about everything from the ethics of superheroes to the MCU to DC to Star Trek to other universes. Recently on Pandavision, we've been talking about Lovecraft Country and the second season of The Boys. And coming soon, probably to this podcast, will be the second season of Mandalorian. So please check that out, all out. Let us know what you think. Let us know your thoughts. Tell us what we got right. Tell us what we got wrong. Uh, please share the show with others if that's something you're excited about. We'd love to get more listeners. Thank you so much, and have a great day. Yay. Happy wedding, Matthew. Thank you. Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't even in this one.